Welcome, guys. Daniel, Dylan, how are we all doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Thanks for having me on again, uh, my guy. Uh, really yeah, enjoyed being here. So, yeah. Thanks for having me on again as well. Always exciting. Yeah, I mean, football is an exciting game, so... I think uh, we should uh, kickstart this episode off by, by saying welcome and welcome back to uh, PGB Football. Um, a lot of exciting and also very like standard news in the world of football. We're used to hearing these type of things of managers getting appointed and sacked. And, but this evolution has been so interesting. Um, and today we're going to be touching on a few things manager, managerially related. So, but before we get into that, I just want to ask you, you boys, uh, let's start with Dylan first, because uh, save the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> How are we all doing, Dylan? Yeah, good, dude. I mean, Liverpool aren't doing much better since the last time I've been on. We've had a couple of good moments, but other than that, like they still, they still humbling me every week. So yeah, can't humbling wait for the next international break. I love how every time you introduce yourself, it's always Liverpool related. I love it. Just they're, making they're a big part there. of my uh, mental health, bro. They're a big part of my mental health. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just waiting for that um, little. Little presence of blue inside of you, and I saw a bit of that last night on the group. So yeah, dude, you know. it's growing by the day. It's growing by the day. <laughs> Every time Everton play now, I'm interested in it because I need them to beat yeah. Newcastle. And uh, I mean, they did well against Spurs yesterday. They did us a favor. <clears throat> but yeah, if they can take points of Newcastle and and United, I, I'm I'll happily be an Everton supporter. Honestly, we are. Uh... We are um, playing United this weekend, so that's that's going to be a good one. But yeah, on to um, Crushmore. Daniel, how's it? How's it in that cold weather? Ah, you know, sunny England never disappoints. You know, we've had we've had depressing weather for the last couple of weeks, and today the sun is out. It's eleven degrees. It 11 feels degrees, like it feels 25. like twenty-five. Eleven degrees. Wow. It's eleven degrees, but, but I'm not even kidding. I'm in shorts. I'm in shorts. I'm in uh, shirts. Jeez. So, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. Wow. I mean, so, I can't say the same for Cape Town. I'm sure Dylan can can vouch for that. But, uh, yeah, we in some blissful weather. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we in, I think that's our peak winter, to be honest. Yeah. It degrees. No, and honestly, I, I actually forgot what it's like for for weather to be over twenty degrees. Like, yeah. Other other than that, it's just been very depressing, overcast, rainy, windy. But Yo, it that's... seems like like summer's on its way. Sun setting later by the day as well, which is good. So yeah, and that's never nice, you know. It, it, especially the 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 shortness of the day. As well as the wind coupled with the rain, yeah. it's, it's not like nah, a feeling. It doesn't make it like for... Exactly. Yeah. Oh no! Like we get up. Well, we have to get up quite early to be at the training ground, like eight, half past eight, and like it's 
when it's overcast, it just still just feels too early in the morning. Like everyone's tired. Got to, got to go out into the rain, the wind. Like it's just it's just not ideal. Honestly, sometimes it's just hell. Um, but uh, when it when it gets hot here, it's nice. Like that's what I'll say. It gets it gets nice. Like you get a nice tan. Almost feels like in Spain, you know. <laughs> damn, damn. And uh, who wouldn't love to be in Spain right now? I'm sure there's decent weather there. I mean, it's it's same same uh, season there. I can imagine because it's Europe. But... Yeah, well, to be fair, Spanish. I think it was twenty the other day in Spain, and people, the tourists were there, like sh- shirts off, walking in sh- shorts and so on. And then the the locals are all looking at them like, "Are these guys mad?" All in jackets, long pants, scarves, you name it. So obviously, <laughs> people are uh... tight and different. Bit of bit of diversity in in attire there. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm currently cruising around. It's also changing. I'm sure Dylan <clears throat> can can agree with me. I'm chopping and changing between jeans and and sweaters and shoes and slip stops and board shorts and yes, it's, it's ridiculous. The mornings because... are definitely getting a bit colder, bro. It's getting a lot harder to wake up in the morning. I'm yeah. Cape Town is. Uh, Cape Town's interesting, bro. Like the the sun's starting to come up at seven now, compared to peak summer it was like five o'clock in the morning. Sure. And then sunsets now at like six thirty in the evening instead of like eight. So we can't. We like slowly climbing to that realm of like, yeah autumn. I mean, yeah, autumnish winter. Like winter will peak winter is like June eh? So that's not far away. And that's yeah, yeah. I can. I'm predicting that it's going to be quite cold in Cape. So, yeah, we just need an appearance from Cratch coming back down to Cape Town. My my rent's actually a... my rent's booked their tickets. Actually, they they're heading down the 28th of April, and they said to me like my because the season ends. Our last game I think is 26th of April, and they're like, "Are oh, you coming with?" And I was like, "Oh, like I'm keen to, but like I just don't want to like leave commitments here like with off season training and then like." go back home for a month and come back. And then I'm like, my whole routine is messed up for preseason and that, you know? So like, I just took one on the chin. I was like, nah, I'm going to give it a skip. But it's been like three long years, Oaks. Surely Swindon can organize a preseason tour. Has the Chiefs <laughs> haven't played them in a while, bro. <laughs> I'll chat to you, uh, Jody Morris and the boys. So, so Swindon Town, eh, Cratch? That's interesting. Yeah. You... Yeah. Tell me all about that. I've I've not uh, caught up with you in a long time, so yeah, it's been ages. Now nah, there's been bro. there was there was a few ups and downs um, with Peterborough United and that, like with my injury and all of that, um, and it was quite difficult to get back there. Um, and then basically Swin came knocking, so I'm there now doing a bit of trialing, um, just training with the guys um, and like getting like nice pointers as well. Like I'm I'm up there with. I think it's I think it's Josh McEachern. I think that's we just call him McEachern, but um he was Chelsea Academy. Um, oh yes, dude. I yes, I remember. Yeah, that dude. Time. So he's there now as well. Um then Charlie Austin. So like just playing alongside those guys is like it's it can it's like it's almost unreal. Like Charlie Austin obviously like he's playing in a league league two club, but like this guy can easily still be playing championship footy. Um, like he just came yeah, back. I mean, he from, was a Premier from, League striker uh, for a long time. Exactly, dude. So, 
yeah, like it's just it's just like a bit unreal. Um, and then there's also um, like there's a few academy guys that have like come back, like come down here on loan, um, like Kane from um, Liverpool, the youngster. Herbie Kane. Yeah, he's down there at, at Swindon. Um, Sick. Yeah, dude, like it's. Just, Ask, should he organize some stuff there? Organize the some some merch. No, I'm joking. Bro. <laughs> I'm joking. I can I can definitely speak to the boys, but Charlie, it should be told to be fair, because like he is like a, a lad, um, and like yeah, he's just so helping, honestly. So, like all of that stuff is just yeah, it's just it's kind of a bit unreal to like just even think of like being in the same room as as some of those guys, you know, like just with so much experience and like. Um, and talent um, so so yeah man like and then Jody Morris as well being the manager like also just so unreal um, like yeah they, uh, Swinon could be off to a better start with Jody but like I, I think Jody can do but bits there um, but yeah Crash that's amazing bro like so to hear your your journey to, you know, ups and downs and, you know, from, you know, when we started really chatting once you left, it was great to, to hear about your, your ups, obviously the downs make you a better person, <clears throat> all the challenges you overcome those little by or step by step. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember I used to, uh, play a bit of FIFA 15 career mode and I started a career mode, career mode with, uh, QPR and Charlie Austin was the main striker. <laughs> nah, it's solid, man. Nah, he's, he's a baller. Nah, that's good for you. Yeah, no, it's very unreal. And yeah, as you say, like, gotta go through the downs to get to the ups and yeah, hopefully, Hopefully there's more ups come now and I can get something out of Swindon and things go positive from me and onwards and that. But yeah. Otherwise I hope hope you boys are all good. And uh yeah. Yeah, dude. I um I just came back from Namibia. I I did my uh Scottish FA C license there. So Dude, that's so I get sick. my I get my marks in about I get my marks in about four weeks. Or it's it's nearly been a week since we we arrived back, uh, a week on Thursday, and then another three more weeks, and hopefully I pass, bro. I'm I'm very confident, and sure, I'm back. Bro. Coaching, well done, bro. I'm back coaching at my club, yeah, bro. dude. That's unreal, dude. Can can do you yeah. think we'll be able to see a, a trio a managerial career for for us? You know, on the sideline, Dolphy and yeah, bro. We can have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why not, bro? I mean. I can give you some private training sessions, Dan. There we go, my guy. You know I'll I got be some, up with. I got some, I got some uh, tailored uh, coaching plans for you. To, to give got you, to boost that week for uh, got you. You got my number. No, dude, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you. Uh, I, I've got group ones, but I can make individual uh, training sessions. They 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 are particular particularly um, tailored to. Uh, from one to sixteen players. So, no, there we go. Yeah. Well, yeah. you've you've got two already. Dill and I are already waiting. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you got any uh, free kick? Uh, uh, free kick drills. Bang them all. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not no any um not any set piece drills. Just uh, just more of um, 
uh, theme-based session plans and, and some tactical shaping session plans. I'm quite, you know what? Coaching is, is a place where you, it is always changes. There's always um, a new innovation of a coaching style or a mm. coaching plan or a session plan. Constantly it's evolving. never the same. It's never the same. Like, although, although the, the, you know, the pros, the pro coaches and the, the really experienced coaches tell you that the best ideas are the ones that are, that are stolen, actually, you know, the best coaches steal the best, um, the best ideas. It constantly depends and it always depends on you as a coach. So, um, each coach has their own opinions and their own way of thinking and their own style. Um, so at the end of the day, like um, my drills that I, that I plan will eventually change. So yeah, I mean, six months down the line, I'm going to be coaching and constantly doing new session plans and getting more experience and getting more used to, you know, jotting down session plans that I'll look six months back, you know, to this day and be like, damn, I've, I've really come a long way and evolved so much and, and grown so much from all these experiences because obviously the future is uncertain and it's, it's a blessing. So, yeah, we, uh, it's, as, as my, me and my mates say, and I'm sure you guys um, think as well, onwards and upwards, we'll just take it from here. No, that's good to hear, P. Keep that's on sick, going, dude. dude. That, that's, that's really proper. Cool, there hasn't been a no, South really? African manager in the Premier We need a. Use I mean, nah, he's Italian. That, Don't come with this fucking nonsense. Well, he'll he'll be Italian to get there, <laughs> but then when he makes it, yeah. he'll be a South African. I will. Yeah, there you go. I'll be using I'll be using my my Italian passport on the way, um, but I'll I will have my South African roots. So if I do get there, um. Shout out to South Not and if, all, all the homies there. When? When, yeah, yeah. No, 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 when. I need to start uh, correcting that that grammar. 100%. Oh. No, back. When I'm, when I'm, uh, when I'm coaching, when I'm coaching Everton in the future and, um, <laughs> when, you've won them, when you've won them their first title. <laughs> when I, when I've, uh, when I've, um, Got them back to the glory days of European football. I'll uh, I'll make sure to bring you guys on as my assistants. Hundred percent. There you go. I'm there. I'm there, my G. I'll see what I can or do. Even if I'm a coach, a even if I'm one of the coaching staff, even if I'm one of the coaching staff, I'll uh, I'll swing you guys by um, a few. Well, I'll I'll run your guys' names through the system and then you never love know. it. Daniel's, Honestly, uh, someone, yeah. Cratch's playing career could end at any time, so you never know when he's going to turn pro coach and do his <laughs> UEFA licenses. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, uh, honestly, guys, I'm not even kidding. Someone asked me this question a while back, and it hasn't changed. So, like, yo, if you were ever a manager, like, could you think of any mates that you'd bring in, like, to be assistants or like backroom staff? And I was like, on my life, I said this like a long time ago, and I still stick with it. I said Paolo and Dill. No honestly. way. Honest to God, dude. Like you, know, you can't be just you can't just be saying that, surely. For to my two main people, hundred percent. Honest you to God, you make me blush, Crouch. You're making me blush. <laughs> yes, no lies, dude. I promise. That's naughty. 
That's a that's a cheeky comment. I, I'm not gonna lie. That's thanks, that's proper. That's proper. I like you know, that we, a lot. We could we could just take over Wrexham and then go straight to terms. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Those that that Wrexham team. I I don't know too much about it, but there's lots of investment. And yeah, dude. Now they've got Ben Fozzy um, yeah. in there. No, really. So they, there's quality there and a bit of bit of money there. How how far do you think they can go? Do you think they can do a Leicester City? What do you like? Uh, they got Mullins, their main striker. Dude, he's like a championship player, League One player. Uh, sorry, I think he's a League One player, if I'm right. Like, they're obviously going to buy in good players, bro, and players will go to Wrexham for the name and the owners. Yeah, it is cash. like a. It is. It's becoming like a in in not in a rude way, like a kind of a celebrity thing. Yeah, it's like it was like with Gary Neville's team, Salford. Mm. When Salf, when when all the United players bought Salford, like they were buying in players. Like I think they, I can't remember the one striker they bought, um, and like he was on like ten k a week, like in non-league, in non-league, like, like it was unreal. Yeah, money. Like everyone was like, "What the hell?" Um, so I think going down the similar route, but like you look at Salford now, they're still in League Two, League Two, yeah. I think it's like being in League One and League Two. It's the jump between League One and League Two isn't as big as the jump between I think League One and the Championship. And then I think the jump between mm. the Championship and the Premier League is obviously massive as well. But yeah. like being a mid-table or coming first in League One, it's like the mid-table teams in the Championship are really good. Like they're hundred percent dude. They're well, like, really good. Like I'll give you an example. Like Forest Green. Uh, they were League Two, and now they're League One. They're sitting, and they obviously they killed in League Two, um, but now they're sitting bottom of League One. Like they're getting pumped. Really mm-hmm. enough, I think they ended up beating Sheffield Wednesday, who are first one 0 the other day. But other than that, like that's your, that's an example, like of you saying like the jump from League Two to One is like it is quite big. Like a newly promoted team struggling majorly in a senior. Mm. Yeah, I think also like. Teams get stuck in like the League One Championship, like going up and coming down. Like how we have yo-yo clubs in the Prem. Like there's teams that are like yo-yo clubs in the League One and Championship, or they just get stuck there. And the gap between like coming top, like pushing for promotion in the Championship, it requires a lot of money. Mm. Like Burnley, they re- they're doing really well in the Championship, but they've spent considerably more. Yeah, than 100%. anyone else, like a lot more. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. They've spent more, I think, than some Premier League clubs this year. Weirdly enough, I haven't heard much about Burnley's transfer spending. So I actually, yeah, but spent, that makes sense. I think this year they've probably spent like forty something more. Sure. Because I think they spent like seven. It was like seven million euros or something. They spent on Lyle fifteen. Foster. I think it was 15 on Lyle Foster. 15. Okay, damn. That's see, that's already nah, like a decent amount. Yeah. For, that's yeah, like already more than a lot of the championship teams. Like a lot of championship teams don't spend that much mm. on a single player, little like, you know. Yeah. Facts. Yeah, I've heard I've heard quite um quite hype quite a lot of hype around Lyle Foster, especially cuz I'm here in South Africa. I'm sure you have to but mm-hmm. I'm in and around like the Cape, to, Cape Town Tigerberg LFA. 
um, okay. that, the, those football associations. So obviously they talk about PSL and uh, the NFD and Motepe leagues. So, you know, he came from, you know, grassroots in like somewhere in Johannesburg, I think. And then um, his, his father actually owns a soccer school there um, in like a, quite a rural community in, in Johannesburg. So I, I think, so they came from quite humble beginnings and now he's, he's on his way to like Premier League now. So that'll be yeah. exciting. It's been a while since we've seen a South African actually like so, play in the Prem. I think we had the last mm. one was Percy Tau and then Tukolo Ranti, yeah. but they didn't really mm. play that much. You know what I mean? They were like yeah. squad players or loaned out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So hopefully this can be like the spark of some sort of resurgence of South African football. But uh, also the one thing that when Lau Foster, I heard this like from someone, I don't know if it's true, but Lau Foster's father had to sign the contract when he signed for Burnley and the signing bonus was like 50 million rand or something. 50 million rand and it went straight to the, the soccer academy that his father owns. Imagine that, bro. They're coming and from it's that. crazy because that was probably like what that's like two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. If you look at like player mm. signing bonuses, that's probably on the low end. Yeah, exactly. But it's still, I mean, for some, for some, for some, for any soccer club or yeah, football dude. club or or grassroots or around. that's huge football bro. academy in South Africa. That's that's all you need. That's that's over and above. That literally changes. That literally changes. That the literally changes the entire of the of the of the club or of the soccer school itself. Yeah, because yeah. most. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I mean, sorry, the, sorry, the, the main the main academies are like you know your Cape Town Spurs, your your Super Sport, your Young Bafana, your uh, um, etc. You know. Um, Mamalodi Sundowns. I know, I know I have, like, dropped off a bit, but surely their academy is still. No, I, so Ajax Cape Town is. Is it Cape um, City? No more. Or... It's it's Cape Town Spurs. Okay. Um, oh, damn, so really? I, they're not like a thing at all anymore. No, yeah, you I, heard I, about this, mind you. You definitely no, did. Ajax Amsterdam. I think, no, I, I know they lost their affiliation, but I didn't realize yeah. they changed their entire name. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, they, they, they went to, they, the investors pulled out, so they're not allowed to use, like, I think it was more, it was less than 50% for the actual name, so they weren't legally allowed to use it anymore. Oh, crazy. Yeah, so they, they were initially called Cape Town Spurs, and then they got that Ajax Amsterdam, or Ajax now Cape Town affiliation, or, or handle, and then once there was a, there was like a, a family, you know, kind of like, Family franchise dispute, and okay. Ajax Amsterdam pulled out of South Africa, or out of Cape Town, and now they're back to Cape Town Spurs. Yeah, okay. I actually yeah, met um, the the assistant coach of Cape Town Spurs uh, first team. Oh, wild! Yeah, Are they? I think it's the under eighteen, the under nineteen first team. 
Arcade so Fire Spurs, they aren't in the PSL, are they? No, they they're in NFD, uh, okay. the the national first division. That's the one below PSL. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like yeah. I've ever since I've joined Rakers, I've learned so much more about <laughs> South African yeah, football dude, than I, ever. My knowledge of South African footy is not up to scratch at all, dude. Because I it's, can't name one player, honestly. Dude, it, it's just so it's so bad. Like you watch, you watch anyone except Kingsborough <laughs> and like Sundowns and Pirates and Chiefs, and they're so bad. Even like so, obviously the Chiefs Pirates derby is huge. Still huge. It's actually one of the biggest hobbies in the world, surprisingly. And uh, this, obviously Sundowns are, are killing the, the PSL. Yeah, I've well, seen, um, I've seen like Sundowns are ridiculously good. They're the, cruising. Uh, no, um, most of the Bafana team is actually made out of Sundowns players. And uh, I mean, the whole defense actually and, and the keeper. And then Cape Town City are... You know, a very well-run club. One of the most well-run clubs in South Africa, but still, like, they're, like, seventh in the PSL. I mean, they're not exceptional, but they are, like, John Kamitis, I hear, has been doing a, an exceptional job because he was at Ajax, Amsterdam, Ajax Cape Town, and he left yeah. once the whole family politics started to, to happen, and then they stripped their affiliation, Ajax, and then he left to go start Cape Town City. He bought out a club, a random club, and he renamed it Cape Town City. Okay, damn. I didn't realize. Yeah. I, it, like, I knew they kind of came out of nowhere, but I didn't realize that was like the, the reason behind it. Yeah, I just, I, I think I researched it one day and just speaking to people. You get to know a lot of, a lot of people, especially in, if you're a coach here. Yeah. You know, you can make a lot of connections here, which is, which is great. I mean, and and the youth system of today in South Africa, I promise you, some of our up and coming players can can rival with with many European and um, top African nations. Promise that's you. good to hear, bro. Damn, that's I really promise good. I promise you, I, I, I'm with the under 14s at at Rechusdal. We're obviously a community club, but I'm I'm actually take I'm actually um participating in a well I'm coaching at a tournament um this weekend in Hart Bay and it's the top ten best clubs in Cape Town at an under fourteen level. We um I I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Ubuntu. Is that they a team? they they're one of the um one of the biggest and well known academies in in Cape Town. So we in a group with Ubuntu, and we in a they have top players. They they poach all the good players. Okay, and where they are they based? Out. And then, uh, I think Ubuntu. Ubuntu, where are they based? Crash Fishuk, like Fishuk area. Fishuk, yeah. Yeah, they are. So your experience? Have you played? You played against them? You probably played against them, Crash. Uh, yeah, I played with them yeah, played as well. Yeah. But like when they first started, like I was like 13, 14. Mm. Um, yeah, now they are very, very good. Yeah, they're, they're in NFT, aren't they? No, 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 Ubuntu. I don't know I if swear. they have... Are they? Yeah, I'm sure of it, dude. I think, I think they might be 
in one of those leagues. Um, not too clued up. Ranks quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you can you can search it up. I'm I'm sure they're up there. I'm not sure if they go by another name or because they're just an an, an academy basically. I'm not sure if they have anything above. They must have a a, a senior. Yeah, the players team. have got to go somewhere. So, Nah, dude, they, they have a senior yeah. team. I'm, I'm certain they play at NFD. Like, I'm, I'm pretty certain. Yeah. yeah. What do yeah, you think I, then? I mean, it's so competitive here in South Africa. Are then in, like, for the next World Cup? Like, obviously, I'm not expecting us uh, to, like, I'm expecting just qualify-wise, just qualify. Do you think we'll mm. qualify? No chance. Well, I mean, the first two qualifying games, actually, one and Drew... One game. I think they're on four points. Because didn't we um, just qualify for AFCON or something? No, no, no. So it's AFCON qualifiers are currently going on oh, now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch You're... the games, but I keep up to date here and there. Like, while we were I in Namibia. We the, played the, Liberia the or something the other day. Did you guys yeah, see yeah. that warm-up video that, that uh, they posted on Twitter? Oh, yes. The that Rondo. That was embarrassing. I, mm. I actually couldn't believe what I was seeing. Besides, the there was fact a lot of O's basing on Twitter post... about that, bro. They were like, dude, this... "Why on earth would you post something so bad? Dude, Are you trying it... to embarrass us or something like that?" It's disgusting, dude. You can't even put three passes between six of you, seven, eight. Like, <laughs> dude, I I actually thought it was a joke. I really did. Like, you can't do that the... in a session. I remember the last no pass. I remember the last pass went like. In between yeah. two players, and then they like like looked at each other in despair, <laughs> like you can nah, get that, like expecting that one other player to get the ball. So There's no hope. My under fourteens can do a better rondo than that. Yeah, <laughs> nah, I don't see any hope. Like, um, no. I mean, Lyle Fast is their only hope, to be honest. Like, if they give him, so, they have any so supply. Disappointing, bro. That's so disappointing. Yeah, like, the regression, yeah. the regression from yeah, 2010. It's crazy. But and and like, 96 since Radebe and Benny. But also it's so interesting because, like like you said, so, so many of the South Bafana Bafana team are from Sundowns, but Sundowns are literally, like, turning the PSL into the Farmers League. Yeah, facts. <laughs> and then, like, how is... And then Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates are dropping off. Like, what? That doesn't... That doesn't make me feel confident about the future, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't. It's underwhelming, like on a results base and, and like looking directly into the PSL. But looking away, taking your eye away from PSL and looking at the up and coming generations in South Africa, there's yeah, you have no idea how much potential there is. It's mm. these 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 players are insane like i mean just i mean i'm i just have eyes in cape town like i don't have eyes in joburg or durban or mm. wherever else in in south africa like i'm just seeing here i'm in cape town i i watched um i was watching uh so we hosted a a tournament last year ubuntu played um a team, and it was another very well-known team, and it was physical under twelve under twelve age group, and it was 
physical. It was feisty, like the players were going at each other, fighting for their, those second balls, like they were aggressive. Like every challenge, someone could have got like seriously hurt. To see that at an under 12 slash under 14 level is is crazy. And you're like, cheapers, are they, are they trying to like, like, are they trying to like actually hurt each other or is this football, you know? But yeah, it's, and the, also the size of these players as well, they don't look like under 14s. They don't look like under 12s. It's actually insane. Also their technical skills are immensely good. And it just shows the, the coaches and um, the drive we do have at a, at a junior and minis level. There's, there's everything we need. We just, we just need an investment and we need um, proper backing and support through mm. monetary. Probably like a clearer, clearer, a clearer pathway to the PSL from these grassroots. And a, and a clearer pathway into, you know, yeah, exactly. And a clearer pathway into our own setup, but also giving them opportunities elsewhere in Europe. And then, mm. you know, they can, and in droves, giving them opportunities in numbers and then bringing them back to South African football. They, so they play overseas and then they come back to international and they're the best team in Africa. Mm, then they bring the Make knowledge sure that. that they've learned from overseas. And all, that they've learned all Ni- from most overseas. Nigerian football but, players yeah. and Ghanaian football players and Moroccan football players play in Europe. Yes, because they're North African teams, but... As an African team, the goal is Europe, America, Asia, wherever in Asia, or but mainly Europe, and that's that's where the investment is, that's where the money is, that's where the growth is. So send your players off there, and then bring them back, so you have an unbelievable um, national team. And currently, those national players they're all playing PSL and NFD and. And it's you'll want yeah. all the best Africans to play in the PSL, but you also best need the best Africans to play in the biggest leagues so that you can get exposure for South African football. So then foreign teams, like obviously Ajax don't have the association with Ajax Cape Town, but if more European big teams come here and they start setting up infrastructure to develop South African talent, that's obviously what mm. we want. But Joy, it, it, is, it is a... Um, it is a benefactor of our current state in South Africa, and we don't want to get into that. We all know what's happening. Um, and even even SAFA is as corrupt as our current government. So, yeah, we know what's happening. Uh, you know, it's old news, but we have to try and do our best as coaches in the space to to uplift our current junior, senior, and minis communities, especially grassroots football, because I would say South Africa has South Africa has one of the best grassroots or grassroots um uh, divisions or not divisions, but grassroots upbringing in the world. I can state that for a fact. I um I chatted to a guy, his name was Tyreek. In Namibia, he 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 coaches at um, Super Sports schools, and for the global Super Sport brand, 
he said that they've had under 10 players, under 12 players uh, go to European European clubs um, in England. So that one went to Man United, one went to Leicester City. Uh, they've had many other um, unbelievable achievements. They sent their, I think, under 12 team to the La Liga um, juniors tournament that um, La Liga promises. And they went on and beat um, one of the, they did really well in that La Liga promises. It was a few years ago, not too long ago, but I think if I can remember, he, they beat the Atletico Madrid team in that La Liga promises. And I don't know if you've watched La Liga, if any of you have watched La Liga Promises, but it's it's grassroots football, like junior football, like all up-and-coming footballers in Europe or in Spain, which is, to me, hearing that was mind-blowing. Dude, that is crazy. And that is seriously it, it, cool. It, it currently puts me in a mindset that, yes, our, our grassroots and junior levels is elite. It's, it's top tier in the world of football. And no one knows. No, you. It's like we have the talent. It just needs yeah. to like develop into like yeah, the it, next step, I guess. It needs to into materialize that, yeah. into players actually going there, breeding of these younger players. Because obviously, once you once you breed them here, send them off to Europe, they materialize. They they, they develop there in the European culture. They, mm. they go with their parents, and then eventually. Being of South African origin, they'll come back at an international level and the performance team will be great. Best it's ever been. So hopefully in 10 or so years' time, we'll see that. And we'll see some sort of change. Yeah. I hope so, bro. It'll be sick to, sick to in our like, in our time, see Bafana Bafana get to knock out stages of the World Cup. Mm. That'd be really cool. I don't know what your thoughts are, Cratch, but um, and, and it's quite refreshing talking about this at the South African model of football um, for a change. Because you always talk about all the big clubs in the world, and you're most mm. talk the big talking points. What's your what's your what's your take, Cratch? Like I'm I'm definitely all ears, and like I'd love to have my say on 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 South African footy, but like. As Dill says, as well, we we don't know like a lot about it, you know, and like I think that just comes down to the amount of money and effort that is put into the sport. Mm. Um, like, listen, I can't even tell you if it's competitive or not. Like, that's just because I, I I just don't even know like what teams are are normally in the running. Besides, like, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Pirates or or Chiefs, you know, like. Mm. Um, like, yo, you have Mamelodi Sundowns and so on now and then. But, like, again, I, I didn't hear too much about it, even when I was back home. Like, it just didn't bring much interest to me. I um, mean, like, the style of footy, I don't think it's something, like, I I would enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I do enjoy a fast-paced game. Um, and I, I think South African footy is just the complete opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. And, again, I think it shows when South go, goes in to... Um, qualifiers or big competitions it shows that South Africa is almost like a step behind everyone um 
yeah, like I just don't see any, anytime soon, I don't see any improvements and I don't see any changing. I don't see any players getting any better. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if players had dual citizenship elsewhere, whether it was another African country or not, that they would choose to stay with SA, you know, because I, I don't think many people would if they had another chance. Because um, I think there's a lot of countries who are just miles ahead. miles ahead. But uh, I mean, imagine next year, next year. Lyle Foster plays in the Prem. Imagine he scores, like, say, he gets the double figures for Burnley in the Prem. That gives, like, a lot of exposure to South Africa in general. And then that'll, I don't know, that'll definitely help South African football grow. Oh, like, dude. in three or four years' time, they could, they could maybe be way more South Africans playing in Europe. Maybe not necessarily in the Prem, but, like, just playing in Europe because of that. Because now teams are willing to take more of a chance on a South African player. I, I 100% agree and, and see where you're coming. But, like, I can use the same example when Percy Tal went through to Brighton from, was it Club Rouge? Like, Percy Tal, I, I don't think he even made a Prem debut. I think he just played in the FA and... Carabao and like yeah like South Africa did get a lot of notice for that but how long ago was that like a year two years That's ago true. and like that is still true. in the, the same spot you know yeah Percy didn't really make an impact as much as everyone thought but like he was playing the Champions League with Club Rouge you know like on the biggest stage in the world, like that's when you'd expect as well and like again nothing really changed but I do see where you're coming from for sure like that that does give a bit of a gateway, um, but but again, I think it all goes down again to the to the finances, and like I think Paolo, you mentioned it, like the the association Safka is pretty much the same as the government. It it is yeah. corrupt. Nothing's really going in the right direction. Um, so like I don't see why it would change now. And if let's say, um, uh, what's the guy from Burnley? What's his name? I've just gone blank. No, no Foster. Foster. Lyle Foster, like, yeah, if he gets double figures in Prem, let's say, not even that, like, let's just say he performs, you know, and um, heads start turning, like, yeah, there's, it gives a lot of notices to South Africa, but now, let's say a lot of money does start pumping into South Africa because of him, do we expect all that money to go to the right places and to the right, um, what's the word? Like avenues exactly to help you know. exactly to help South Africa grow as a football as a footballing nation. Like, I don't think so. I'm not saying I'm not going along the lines of it being stolen, but I'm going along the lines of it being not being used Spend how it properly. should be. Yeah, exactly. Just like, like maybe overspending on certain things that you don't need to spend on, or exactly like that kind of stuff. Exactly. Like, I, if you give that money to maybe an American coach or a European coach, preferably, you know, someone, other countries or nationalities that are known for footy, like, I think it would be used differently and I think that would be a smarter route to go, like, just to bring in people that are not South African within, like, the organisation um, mm. to to make things go forward for, for SA. Like, that's the only route I think SA can go if they want to be at least a country that's fighting and guaranteed a spot in in AFCON or World Cup, you know? Yeah. I mean, hopefully post the Jacob Zuma era, we could we could uh, 
see some sort of rebirth of South African football. I'm not saying it will take a few years. I think it will take at least 10 years until then, until a new and improved and young generation comes along. I just see a lot of growth and potential in this young generation. Paulo, um, like specifically from my eyes, um, I just think, uh, like they're, they're I, I agree with what you're saying there now, but like you're saying like, yeah, there's a lot of growth and like, it looks like very positive, but then you look at the other countries who are not, I'm only going to say on the same level because most countries are miles ahead of South Africa and I'll use like America, for example, America's not really known for footy, but now they are. And like, look at all the talent that's been pushed Mm, into the premium. In 10 years, they will be pumping it. Exactly. And now they've got a world cup coming as well. Exactly. Like whereas, and they're using all the right, they probably have a lot more money. Yeah. Fair enough. But they have, people that know what they're doing and where in what areas mm. need attention. Whereas I think South Africa everywhere needs attention. But as Dol said as well, they put in it maybe more, more eyes on certain areas that shouldn't be like, that should be. No, of course. I agree. I agree with you on the, um, the, the attributing of finances to, to, to certain things within that industry. Obviously, football, you need to pump football. You need to pump money into infrastructure and players and clubs, not anything else. Like, it needs to be not to do with yourself, but to do with the actual players themselves. And we've seen South Africa have a history of not accommodating for that, unfortunately. So, hopefully, there's some sort of resolve. Um, Obviously, I'm always optimistic you just never know. Like it's, I, I don't want to be too. No, I, uh, I definitely agree. On the- but like, like I say, like we had a standard. Everyone else is ahead of that, so we've yeah, got to be like exactly. four, five steps ahead of that, just to be on par. You know exactly. Well, like, I agree. Mm, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, you, and you can't say if results start turning, we should see. It. No, it's the people in charge. It's the people that. Like, look at Morocco, bro. Their rise is because the O's at the top are making the right decisions 10 years in advance. Morocco yeah. FC, yeah? Yeah. No, Morocco. Morocco. Oh, Morocco. Mm. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Morocco. No. Nah, Isn't that a club in that's South Africa? Fact. No, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. But, like, 10 years ago or something, Morocco were like, okay, cool. We're going to become mm. good at... Well, we're going to develop our football, put a lot of money into it, and put then... Put a lot of money into it, and then now... Get to the quarters. Get to the quarters. So, mm. Africa need to do something like that. I feel like they also need to just make it easier. Like, they need to make footy more accessible to everyone. Like, it's actually pretty hard to get a, just get a bunch of mates and play footy for free. There's, like, yeah. it's not like overseas where you can just, like, there's just an Astro that's free and O's can just go play if they want to. Like, the, the, like we have grassroots and stuff, but if you want to play footy regularly, you kind of have to be a part of a club, and it's not easy. Of course. Like, not a lot of people want to necessarily play competitively like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of players... That's why I think the infrastructure is such a an unattended thing in South Africa. Mm. Like, we at Rekersdal here, I, yes, the we have facilities, but they, they, they weren't really tended to in the best of care. Like, we... 
based in Rondebosch, like opposite Bishop's Prep behind St. Joseph's Marist College. But you wouldn't say the field is, is in great condition. Like we've only just received topsoil for, for our fields, for both the A, B, and the, the bowling greens or mini fields where the grass fields are. To be fair, like any field or even any then, like field it, it took it took about six or seven months. It took about six or seven months to actually get that topsoil, which is ridiculous. And that city of Cape Town, I can't imagine where other other municipalities that are run by the ANC and how they are being treated. That must be horrendous. Oh, do you know I mean like what's it that stadium that was built? with like 25 million rand that wasn't a stadium, it was a tree, like some wooden stands and then a destroyed field. Like that's the kind of stuff I guess Cratch is talking about that we're dealing with as yeah. a, like, a country where yeah. we have money, like South Africa. No, we have money. Like We, we have, have money. money. There's just no yeah. care of where that's put. There's no specific avenue of where that's allocated. It is, is, and there's no thinking behind it. I guess there's no long-term planning. There isn't a vision of like, I don't mm. think there probably is a goal that's like, okay, World Cup 2026 or World Cup 2030, we want Bufana to make the certain stage of the World Cup or something like that. But that isn't, that goal isn't being followed with like a plan that's actually being put in place that's going to exactly. work. You know what I mean? And it's not a realistic goal as well because... I think it's going to take more than 10 years to actually, uh, more than sure. seven years, because, I mean, seven years is 2030. Jeepers. That's it's, ridiculous. It's like one generation of footballers, the guys that are like 15 or 16 now. Yeah, exactly. Will they be given the tools to be basically 100%. one of the best teams in the world in seven years' time? It doesn't so look those, like it. Like those under-14s that I have, they're like starting their... They've like, they're like three years probably into their professional career if they take that path. Mm. Is there going to be sufficient investment in players and in infrastructure and in the actual, you know, fr and from the federation itself? I don't know. And what are their goals? Oh, probably not because, like, look where South African football is now over the past 10 years, 10, 10, 12 years post um, the World Cup. Like, we're nowhere. I mean, we're struggling to qualify for AFCON. We're Afcon. struggling to, like, we're regressing. No, we, yeah, that's why I said, like, since even Benny McCarthy's time, we've been regressing. Mm. Ever since, yeah, the start of the new regime. Obviously, it's a contentious topic, but. As we can see, 20-something years down the line, there isn't much improvement, to be honest. We, we're, not even at, we're not even back at square one. we like 10 years behind, almost, everyone else. It's, uh, it's sad, but it's, there's also there's hope at the end of the line. Mm. But we just need people at the top to give us... And implement. I guess it sounds like, from what you've said, the hardest part we've got, the talent. Like, the hardest part to get is the talent. It's just mm -hmm. giving the talent a chance to actually yeah. showcase that, which is what no, I think we've got all the talent. We've got all the development 
strategies in place. It's just, are we going to give them a chance? As you said, are we going to actually put the players first instead of the ego and the um, feeding troughs, as they call it, and pocketing everything? I don't know. It's it's only something you can really talk about, and uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully it does come right. You know, hopefully there are people. There's a change in system and there's a change in command because there has to be. I I don't even know who the head of SAFA is, or who runs SAFA. It's probably someone who's the head of head of agriculture a couple of years ago that just got swapped around or something. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> that's usually that's usually what happens with the cabinet. Yeah, yeah. yeah we probably have a BA in education, and not and no football knowledge itself. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the reality. But yeah, jeez, that hour went quick, eh? <laughs> yeah, dude. I haven't even yeah. spoken about Tuchel, Conte, Nachman, or Potter. Yeah, to say. I mean, who needs? I mean, I only really want to kind of speak about Tuchel because Cratch is in the room, man. Eh? Yeah, I'm can't wait for this man to dig in. Oh. I can't wait. Oh, I've been hyping dig him up all week, bro. I've been dig in? putting little teasers in the group, <laughs> trying to get him riled, poking Look. him. I mean, whoever whoever will potentially listen and has been listening. Um. Now's the time. This is a great warm-up. That no, uh, whole, whole intro. <laughs> I haven't. I'll just say this to start off with with um with Potter, just because I'm I'm still over the moon about it. But I haven't liked a post of Chelsea since last year, and the moment I see club statement from Chelsea, you best believe my finger double tap that screen. <laughs> that first like in over since last year felt just so good. And then, oh, seen Tuchel at Bayern, first game, Dortmund. Oh, God, it's it's just beautiful. Honestly, it really is. It really is beautiful. You can't you can't ask for anything. In more the classica, eh? In the classica, oh, beautiful, absolute beautiful. Listen, the beginning of that game wasn't wasn't the best. Dortmund definitely got let down by um, their keeper, but otherwise, Yo, like, they, they, that was they, a, yeah, that was a that mistake. Was that was but, horrendous. But Tuchel knows what he's doing. He's going to turn Sane back into a beast. Yo, oh, I mean, Gnabry's be... looking like a beast already, dude. Did you see him dribble through, like, they hold the against fence? Against Belgium. Oh, for, for that one? No, I dude. Against Belgium. Oh, sorry, no. Was... Oh, sorry, against Belgium. Sorry. I, I actually watched yes. those highlights. Didn't see that this so goal. That goal would have been goal of the season, I think, if, he, if that went in, dude. Jesus, mm. that was... Gnabry's going to be uncertain, I think, for Tuchel. Mm. I think he could potentially be making a way out this season. It's going to be a dicey yeah. call, but at the end of the really? day, I'm I'm very happy with Tuchel being there, like over the moon. Mm. I've I'm a bit happy that Potter's gone with Chelsea, but like I'm still not happy with the the way they run. I know, Dill, you have quite a bit to say about this. Um, so, like the only next. Big thing I could hope for Chelsea is that um, the owners leave Todd and them. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, now it's they have two. no idea what's going on. They have no idea. Well, like I was reading reports as well. Like they Todd and uh, I think it's Bagley or something like that. The other egg, owner, egg, egg, 
Igbali or something. Bali, yeah, something like that, man. So it's it's him it's and Tarzan. Like, some stupid like they, they'd be they'd be going to they'd the training going... ground quite often and watching the training sessions and so on. And like apparently they were there because like Potter was a yes man and they'd go there to almost micromanage the training sessions. Like these two owners who have the club know very little about footy are there trying to micromanage a training session. Like they're buying plays, they just see that are getting hyped over on Twitter. And like now they want to make shots of like how a team's going to be trained, who's going to be coming off the bench, who's going to be starting. Like, yeah, it's, to, to, to me, starting, that, like, a club like that to, is. To me, that, a club like that is. It, yeah, it, it's, it's, almost it, like, it's almost like. It's just functional in nature. I think that's yeah, a word, yeah. word you're looking for. It's, 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 a, it's at a, a low point because, I mean, you need to get rid of the. If that's happening and that, like, it's almost like a helicopter mom, you've got to get rid of that. Mm. That, that 100%. Mentality. It's not nice. And it's, it's not... 100%. If you have these mature and capable males running this club or like trying to deliver training sessions, mm. professional coaches and professional players, let them do their work. It's that simple. Exactly, dude. Like, exactly. Don't come with your American hierarchy and mm. high and righteous mentality. It's not going to no. work. 100%. Dude. Listen, if they had any background of football or knowledge, so on, like, fair enough. Like, go do your thing. But know. at the same time, let the coach, the, the people you employ to do their job, to do this exact job, let them do it. You know, like, as I don't think, I think anyone can agree with us. No one wants to be micromanaged. And as a professional coach, like, even if I don't like Potter, like, Potter knows what he's doing. He's got the licenses. He has the background. Like, He's been in the man- managerial career for quite some time now. Like, no, like I think he knows think what he he's knows doing, how to plan a session, and so on. And so on. Yeah, I mean, fuck, he, might, he has a UEFA Pro license, and he's gone through all yeah. coaching regimes and coaching um, scenarios and experiences. Like, who are you to? Who are you, this American idiot, telling me how to do my thing? How to like? Hundred you know, Interrupting my sessions. If I was a coach, I would be like. I would want to leave. I would be like, why am I here? I mean, yes, he did get sacked, but I feel that Potter actually would have got fed up to the fact that they were probably micromanaging him and, and interrupting. I don't know if they're interrupting his sessions, but micromanaging feels like, you know, there's there's a lot of impediments or, or interruptions or whatever, or intrudement in your, in your sessions and in your footballing life and, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. It might not have been in training sessions, just on the training ground. Like, telling me, like, who, which players to put in, uh, what formations to use, like, what tactics to use. I, you know, I don't know what, what the actual reason was, but, you know. Mm. Dude, I, I, I many people know what's going on with this guy, if I'm honest. Mm. You know, I mean, we, we only have media outlets to actually, mm. for our sources. So like no facts but yeah mm. but yeah so it's it's just funny because Chelsea is such a big talking point at the same time we've got Tottenham on the other end of the spectrum a pretty similar spectrum but <laughs> with a complete I would I, I don't know what the owners like Daniel Levy but what's your what's your guys take on on Tottenham 
Dylan, do you have any info, like any, any like opinions or that you might I mean, I, share? I know there's a lot of criticism of Daniel Levy because he's extremely stingy. He's like, he's prudent with the way he uses money and stuff like that. And I think the whole con- content spurs was never, I don't think it was ever going to work because it was always going to end this way. Conte, it ends this way everywhere. Where Conte goes, it ends this way. There's, his style of management is like high intensity for a short period of time, just completely shock the whole system. He needs, he needs high backing because his system is actually super intense. It's super demanding on the players. It can't afford to have anyone that isn't like pulling their weights. And I think we saw that at Spurs, even though, Spurs are still, they still have a very good chance of ending top four, so I don't think that's like necessarily a bad thing. But it's just, I don't think necessarily Daniel Levy's the problem. I think that they've just bought wrong players, the wrong players. But I think also since Poch has left, the lack of, the coming and going of different managers that are buying completely different players, that are playing completely different systems you need someone now that's going to come and just stay for a while so they can actually like clear the squad out, get some sort of philosophy going. Similar to like, similar to with Poch where Poch was given a lot of time and he was given players that he actually could mold into his system. And I know there's lots of people saying Poch must come back. I don't think that's going to work either. I think that's a complete um, emotional um that's an emotional that would be an emotional appointment like i i don't think potch has progressed since he's left spurs and i think him coming back to spurs will see the exact same results i think a lot of the players that were successful under potch are this are still there they're just three or four or five years older um i just think that the problems with tottenham are a lot bigger than just simply hiring a new manager and going again. I think that it's like one of those problems similar to Arsenal where there's so much dead wood and there's just so many like problems all over like the back room, like the the, the players, some of the players like probably don't want to play for Spurs anymore. But how Arsenal reset with Arteta and no matter what anyone said, they just trusted the process and they've built a squad slowly, three or four players a year for three years. And now they actually have players that suit the way Arteta wants to play. I think Spurs have to do the same thing. And I actually, I, like, I think that's the only way they'll get back to top. I think Poch coming back won't work. I don't know who they'll appoint, if I'm honest. I don't think Knucklesman should go anywhere near Spurs. I also don't really think he should go anywhere near Chelsea. Because... I think Chelsea are going to have their hands tied. I think any manager that goes there now is going to be have their hands tied. And I think the Chelsea board have kind of shown that they aren't really that loyal to managers and they say they trust the process, but they don't really. Um, you know what? You know- but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty valid. You know, I, I hear everything that you're saying. I think it's it's it feels like you know they released that Netflix documentary on Spurs about the 
um, when Mourinho was in charge. Mm, all or nothing. Um, all or nothing, yeah. And they gave you insights of what goes on, you know, player, coach, management, and all of that. I feel like, like a similar thing happened with Conte. Obviously, there was there was no... Like, and, and you compare it to the situation with Mourinho. Um, Conte has a, a very similar hardcore um, delivery towards him, towards players, I can imagine, like Mourinho. Very upfront, very um, truth-telling. So I... And you could hear that in, in his interview. He was like, these players, they are, they don't play for you. They, they almost like they're weak mentally and they don't, they don't, they don't give a shit. And that's obviously like when it comes with like a very passionate Italian or Portuguese manager like Mourinho and Conte and you don't have really good player management skills. Then there's always going to be some sort of of impasse. Like we we could see that that probably happened with Conte and Chelsea. That probably happened with Conte and Juventus. Um, he was at Inter as well. He was at Juventus. He won the Scudetto with Juventus, and he was at Inter as well. Um, I think that also might have happened with Inter. I don't know. But uh, also some of the signings that you touched on like Dan Juma and that comes to mind, like Jed Spence and all those very random signings. Like, was it, was it worth it? You know, wrong place. I mean, the Jed Spence like and the Dan Juma one in particular, like that, what is the point? I mean, I don't think Dan Juma's started a game. I don't think Jed, Jed Spence has started a game. That's like what almost, I mean, I know Dan, Dan Juma's on loan, but that's probably mm. like, what Jed Spence like twenty more, wasn't he? Something like that, fifteen to twenty more. Fifteen to twenty more. I think they and loaned him out. Yeah, he's Jed. Jed's at Ren at the minute. But I'm saying, like, as in, like those as examples, like mm. that's almost fifty million worth of like pounds worth of players that yeah. they fought to sign and then they never used, and they still well, they're not using Dan Juma now. Dan Juma is probably seriously upset with himself for not going to Everton. Mm. Um. Like those kind of transfers, it's like what if Conte really was so adamant on getting them, he would be using them because he would not be playing. I don't know Emerson Royale, who's kind of looked good on and off, but I don't think Emerson Royale is a top class uh, wing back. I don't think he's like. To be fair, though, like with with the Jed signing, I I can see the logic behind it because Jed playing in a in a back five or as a wing back, whatever. Like I think he's key. Like at Middlesbrough, he wasn't he wasn't used. Neil wasn't a fan of him, but like at Forest, you could see the way that no, for sure he was wanting to play, yeah. and like it attractive. Like with it, I, but then I use him. Like don't not use back him. You know what I mean? Unreal, huh? But I'm saying then use him. No, don't, I agree, like, hundred percent. But don't like, just like yeah, that's probably a board signing then or something. Yeah, yeah. Because Conte, if he really wanted him that badly, would use him. At least for a little bit to see what he's like in the game, in the game situation. situation. But I don't. Yeah. What you can quite like clearly probably... see. What yeah. you can quite sorry to interrupt, but what what you can quite clearly see is that some of the signings Conte didn't want, and like you can clearly see that all of the Chelsea signings, not all of them, but like a lot of them, ninety percent, ninety, yeah, yeah, like 
like and that should be run by a manager surely surely you're going to want to sign a player for them to play and for your money to be worth it and for your the manager to actually pick mm. them and play them like I don't know. Even, what is this like but club dynamic like, come to? I know at Liverpool, okay, Klopp has a lot more influence now, but like there, it's very data driven. So, for example, like when we signed Salah and we signed Wijnaldum and we signed um, Robertson, it was like Klopp didn't necessarily want those players, but the data, like the data indicated that they would be perfect for Klopp. So he trusted those like the committee that were suggesting these players that they would work, but it didn't seem like there was any sort of data driven approach or any sort of plan with the signings Chelsea were making because the plan, like Cratch said, was like our rivals are interested in this player. This guy's young and he could be good. Let's sign him to an HR contract. Like our, like social media says this guy's good. Let's get him. That's how it came across. I mean, it doesn't even like all the like the players that they bought as well. They didn't even fit the way Potter wanted to play, and they didn't buy him a defensive mid, which he needed, and they didn't buy him a striker, which you guys, which they needed the most. I will say though, they got a Bamiyang, and he didn't really use him. But that was, but that was also more of a Tuchel signing, like a Bamiyang. Like, yeah, but let's he's be a honest. striker. This is... You're playing Kai at striker. He doesn't even. Yeah. yeah, Kai can play as a as a nine, but we all know that's not his strong position. Whereas you. But got maybe some... Aubameyang just wasn't up to scratch. You know, maybe he just wasn't performing. Because no offense to Aubameyang, Aubameyang's like what thirty three. Yeah. Thirty three now. He's like he's not the Aubameyang that was at Chelsea. You know. Enough. I for sure. No, I see what you mean. I mean, did I say Chelsea or Arsenal? You said Chelsea. Uh, yeah, said Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean there. Yeah. yeah, and even at Barca, like even yeah, we saw exactly. different Aubameyang at Barca. Like he was ruthless. Mm. Just He'll going, go back. yeah, flip. Just all the, the transfers in general, like even the Enzo Fernandez one. Like it felt like they got him because they didn't want anyone else to get him, and yeah, I think I he's a really good player. But mm, like spending so over hundred mil on a mid on a luxury signing, same as Mudrik, there are positions that needed to be addressed more than spending two hundred million on those two players. You know, I what think I, mean? I think all those other signings, including, I think I feel Enzo Fernandez was uh, it was a good signing, but how much did they sign it for? One hundred twenty mil. I don't something think worth it, it because it was he like was 106 million pounds or something like that. He was, he was, it is very overhyped. And obviously his age is, was a determining factor as well. And un, unfortunately that's a big determining factor in the, the market nowadays is age. Um, and also hype and also like, you know, shining on a big stage. It's not like Emmy Martinez was snatched up by a big club, you know, Mm. But he's a goalkeeper. That's always a contentious one. But it's also but I feel like, like I feel like no, the other true. ones, like I feel like the other ones, like Madueke and that striker Fofana. Fofana. Like those were such waste waste of signings. Those, I, feel. I feel like those are the kind of signings that are like okay, this guy's ceiling. He oh Madueke, I think is going to be good, but I don't know enough about Fofana. But it kind of feels like 
they're the kind of players that they're going to buy for like the 15, 20 to 25 mil range. And then they'll become like 50 million pound players. So it's like more of a buying now to sell for profits yeah. than involving them in the squad straight away. You know what I mean? I think uh, quite a few of those not those those players that they signed for not seriously high fees, I don't think yeah, those players are maybe necessarily intended to impact the squad. They're like, how do we maximize getting money out of them? You know? Yeah, but that's that's not what Chelsea need. Surely they need players that are going to make that sort of impact and not really. There needs, yeah, have I think it needs to be a mixture. Like there needs to be a mixture. Like you should always look at players that you can buy for cheap and sell for more. But if you have like Chelsea need a striker, then have needed a striker since Lukaku's left. Like Havertz has been playing striker for ages, but Havertz is not a striker. Like. Chelsea are doing Havertz a disservice by playing him at striker. They're wasting him. Crutch? But instead of sorry, sorry. like getting that position filled with someone who even like I'm not even saying they need to spend hundred more on another striker because that didn't work with Lukaku, but like get someone that can at least make like that can perform in the Prem and at least provide goals. Because yeah. right now isn't it, isn't it about giving them time? Like players like Aubameyang, like Lukaku, isn't it about giving them some time and some game time in that squad? And they you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a tough situation when you're, the manager doesn't want to sign you and they've, they've signed for the club and then now he's got players that he'd much rather play in those positions. I don't know. I, I, was Aubameyang not an option at all? Was there like some sort of beef with Potter? I, I don't know. Because he, he was playing a lot with Tuchel. I mean, Tuchel signed, uh, he was signed under Tuchel. And they played him in their Champions League games and their Premier League games when he signed. So I'm, I'm not sure what, what was the beef there. It's crazy. I mean, you, uh, I guess that always happens. Or maybe Aubameyang probably didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but like, when you're brought in by a manager to perform a certain thing and then less than eight games into a season, that manager goes, another manager comes. I feel like everyone starts from a blank slate and you have to prove to the manager why like, you have to pick them. But also, like Kratz was saying with the owners behind the scenes, there's probably some crazy stuff that was going on. With, like If they were shadowing training and telling Potter what to do, like... We don't even probably know half the things that were going on with the conversations they were having over WhatsApp or whatever that Tuchel wasn't prepared to do, you know? Like, we don't actually probably know anything about what Potter was going through as a coach there, bro, because he was, he was doomed from the beginning. That was a doomed job. There was no one would have succeeded in six months. I don't think anyone would have succeeded in six months, especially considering the incoming of players and just the, st the instability in general around Chelsea. I don't know if what Cratch thinks about that. Nah, dude, I think with everything you've said, it's like you've hit the nail on the head. Seriously. Um, like, I, I don't have, surprisingly, for someone who has a lot to say about this club that's really annoyed me, I don't have much more to add on that because I think everything you've said, I would probably say. 
um, just in more of like a just in more of like a ridiculing way and with a couple it's, more swear words. Probably and potentially, yeah. Let, let's be honest; that that actually probably would be it. Um, yeah, like it in a way. It's actually nice that like if you're not supporting Chelsea, that you still can see this from the outside, like just what a joke it is. But like, oh, I'm not going to mention the name. I know there's someone on our footy group who's a Chelsea supporter and like who disagreed with the Potter sacking. And like, to me, I think that's the only person that disagrees with that decision. And like, I don't think he's, he's ridiculed anything that Chelsea has done, but I think everyone can see that, Chelsea yeah. right now, it it is it's a circus. Like Actually, no one knows what they're doing. They're just going <laughs> off the basis of social media. There's no background knowledge whatsoever. Um and they, as Dill mentioned, they're trying to get players just to have them so no one else can have them. You know, like I'm sure for example if Enzo never came to Chelsea, there was a big chance he'd go to Liverpool and I think he'd be a much better suited Liverpool than he is at Chelsea. Um just with the players that he'd be surrounded with and the attack. Um but yeah, overall, I think it's just Dill's pretty much covered all of it extremely well. Like, yeah, it's just a, it's just in disarray. It's like there's no way you can comment on it. Yeah, I think I, I know who you're speaking about, Crashmore, on the group. Um, obviously, I think I saw him at gym today. With no hard feelings. Listen, I have nothing against the man, but like. To me, you should at least acknowledge and you should be able to see that yeah. this isn't the way that a club should be run and how it mm. goes, you know? Like, everyone knows this. A manager's position is based on how good he is and the form and, you know, if there's at least, let's say, he's going in the right direction. With Potter, there was no right direction. I don't think there was a time where... I could have said there's actually improvements here. There were either no goals, there was no attacking threat, it was boring football, you're losing games, or you're just conceding a loss. I think they scored the same... I think 11 games were lost. There were eight wins or something like that. The rest were draws from like 20-plus games. And the amount of goals they conceded, was it was ridiculous. I mean... Again, you've spent how much money now on this team? Half of them aren't even playing or even making the bench. Um, so, yeah, what what's the point? I, I, the, where do you go from here? Yeah, you can say this is maybe not all Potter wanting his players. It's all the board. But then speak up, you know? Like, if you're going to be managing this team and want to keep your job, instead of being a yes man, start putting your foot down and, you know, start demanding yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think getting rid of Potter was definitely the best decision they could have done. I think that's now a step in the right direction. Now getting either Nahusman or Enrique, I think, will be good. But if they're going to look at Nahusman and Enrique. go... Hey? Luis Enrique, he coached, he coached Spain yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're looking at those two, apparently. But, like, Nahusman might not be, like, ideal for them is because they're going on his age. But like now, that for me, I think is a stupid way to look at it because if he's, I don't know how old he is, 35 or whatever the case is, he's managed the biggest club. Bayern, Leipzig or, and Hoffenheim say, already. 
Exactly, at that age. And you're going to tell me, no, he can't manage Chelsea because of his age. He's managed, the, if not the biggest club in the world, top three biggest club in the world. You know, like, I think those board members and the staff know what they're doing to hire a person like that compared to someone who has just come into the football world and going, oh, we're not going to have him just because of his age. You know, like, that to me is a ridiculous decision. But not saying that I, I, I'd actually feel quite bad if Julian did go to Chelsea because just because I know the the pain is probably going to be suffering and it'll probably end up, he'll end up like Tuchel. So someone who I am fond of, I'd rather not go to Chelsea and let him go off elsewhere. Um, and rather I'll take Enrique. Um, just because, I, as I say, I don't want to see another good manager go to waste and then yeah. Chelsea instantly regret it because every fan of Chelsea right now can say they can't believe that they let Tuchel go. Like, in the last 10 years, I think that's got to be the most stupidest decision ever over not replying on WhatsApp. I think Tuchel leaving is going to hurt every Chelsea fan for the rest of their life. From what you said. 100%. Like, it even hurts, even as a football fan, it hurts me to actually think about it. Dude, it's shocking. What a, what a, what a, like, what a coach and what a, what a human being. You could see in his interviews, he loved the club. Like, Mm. he was going to do everything to make that, Win, make that club win another Premier League again. He probably was on the way to winning another, uh, winning a Premier League with Chelsea. Dude, and... I, I've watched, I've watched both of Tuchel's press conferences now. So, um, Bayern's playing uh, Freiburg today in the um, DFB uh, Pokal, and yeah. um, they asked him. I swear, dude, it must have been the same amount of questions about Chelsea than it was about Bayern, <laughs> and it was the same no in the way. first press conference, dude. Honestly, like. Again, they ask like, like about Chelsea, and it's like he's here at Bayern now. Like he must concentrate on that. Like yeah, he loves club. He loves Chelsea. He's really he's really mentioned the, the first press conference. Um, but now like they must move it's on. Done. It's over. It's, it's like, irrelevant. This is exactly this is what happened. But now the only thing that I hope for is I doubt Chelsea will even beat Madrid in the the knockout. Oh, fight. they're gonna get absolutely yeah. smashed. I'm I think they'll, they'll get smashed. I would love for Chelsea to beat Madrid and then face Bayern after beating City and then Tuchel just destroying Chelsea at the bridge. <laughs> I, I, want, I want Tuchel to put five against them at the bridge. First leg, please and thank you. Sure. That would be quite funny, man. Nah, I'd love that more than anything. I think whoever no. Chelsea hire next, the board have to give them like a season and a half. Like, they have to give them till the end of the season. And then minimum once full season in charge. Well, I think because that's why like Julian is. If they sack another manager the in the next six months, then I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. And they're, they're, they're even more of a joke. Even more of a joke. They are already. Well, dude, look well, at dude, this. Look at would this. You would you want, you want to be taking a job, a job at Chelsea, Chelsea with ten games to go, knowing the, oh, knowing the history that they have with managers? Like, I don't think I'd be too keen. And Julian, if really the next manager comes in and they say lose their next two to three games, say they like come in after the game today. And then they lose three games in a row. Like I wouldn't be surprised if their job mm. they wouldn't make it at at the end of the season they'd be gone. Yeah, it seems like no, that's like they the probably, they will probably be like close to the relegation zone at Everton. Eh? All right. Well, dude, from from twenty to eleventh in the Prem, it's separated by seven or eleven points or something like that. Yeah, that's I think crazy. Chelsea what thirty eight points and Southampton are on twenty three. 
But also, what's crazy like is Chelsea only have four points less than Liverpool. <laughs> what? That's mad. Yeah. And then and I see no more trains of Van Dijk for tonight. And I think fir- I think fifth, so f- no sixth. I think Brighton have forty three points and they could be sixth. So yeah, it's it's like um, five Brentford points and between Brighton. sixth and Chelsea. Brentford and, and Brighton are on the same point. Between, yeah, but what's crazy is like actually if you think about it, Chelsea haven't done well this season at all. Like they haven't. Nah. nah. But of course not. It's worse it than Mourinho. Like, it also sense. like doesn't make sense that just firing Potter like results wise, it completely made sense. There wasn't an improvement. Yeah. But with 10 games to go, I don't understand what more damage could have been done. They yeah, just won Champions true. League now, dude. That's, that's why they've caught it early as well. But if but they really think Charles is getting Champions think, League, yeah. they're smoking. Yeah. Dude, I don't think who's going to come in and make the squad Chelsea win the Champions League. Champions who's gonna, yeah. Yeah. Surely not. No, but I'm, I'm saying about making top four. They, they, they're not stupid, I think. God, they know bro. they're not winning Champions League, but they want top four. four God next help season. them if they think, bro. Like exactly. top four, I'm your God help <laughs> Even Liverpool, even Liverpool supporters, four. bro. Even exactly. Liverpool supporters, their mindset is washed right now if they think they're getting dude, top four. No, literally, dude. We, I was thinking, I was chatting to my dad about it a couple of days ago, and I was looking at the amount of points left. Like, so Liverpool have eleven games. We need thirty-three. Po- like that's thirty-three possible points. Liverpool can pretty much only afford to lose one more game the rest of the season if they want to come close to ending top four because we're nine points behind. I think eight points behind at the moment. Sure. So that means we have to win three games, and then and Newcastle, Spurs, and yeah. United have to lose three games. Yeah, there, nah, that's not happening. There's no way Liverpool are not losing more than one or two games for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. There's no way yeah. Liverpool are winning. Yeah, that's like more that, than five or six games the rest of the season. Like, like that race for for top four is between Spurs, Spurs Newcastle, United, Newcastle, United. United. Yeah. yeah, I mean even even. Putting, I think it's Spurs, even putting day, Spurs in that bracket, I don't think uh, I. Yeah. I personally would put Spurs in that bracket. Neither. I mean, Spurs are fourth. Of I think the... they're fourth in fourth place now, aren't they? Yeah, but they, they tied are. with United just because of goal difference, though. So yeah, and they've got I two games. Say they're still in the race. Like now. even though they're a bit of a mess, they've still kept pace. They have. I mean, they I, they, they, they are equal points with Newcastle, aren't they as well? Yeah, I think so. But we not forgetting this is history of Spurs. We yeah, know they're no, so dodgy, yeah. man. But can we just also talk about how United have kind of gone from chasing the quadruple to Yo. basically bottling it? And if United end fifth, oh my word, I am, even <laughs> if Liverpool end tenth, bro, I'm going yeah. in. That's I am true. going in on them, bro. I will be heavily disappointed if that's United. And I hate United just because of the fact, like, yeah, that's just, it's criminal for that to happen. <laughs> Seriously. They were like yeah. six. What they like six or seven points off Arsenal at one point. Yeah, they were. And now, if they do not win something, Eric Ten Hag ball. Like I, I wouldn't say he's under pressure, but I think he like feel something. Your, yeah, the board, yeah. especially if they get new owners, they'll be like, okay, hang on, we've like you've just been given two hundred and fifty mil, <laughs> and you haven't actually improved the team. It's now you. what? Now I don't what? know. It's one of those things. One of those things. Don't you think this like what you're talking about now, though? It's a type of mentality that's like oozed on social media. Like, if this, if that, like Ten Hag mm. has been in the arch for like what, one and a half or like one season in total now. 
I as a as a as a as a owner, I would let him pull his contract, even if like, yeah, he finishes fifth this season, like they, even if they finish what fourth or fifth. Let him fulfill his contract because it's just too easy to sack managers. And like, yeah. these managers yeah, that's the game about. right now. Like, Dude. you're not going to have another club that's going to devote so much time to a manager like Liverpool has with Klopp. Like, I think mean, that's the last time we're going to see... And Pep with City, yeah. Exactly. I, I think it's going to be the last two managers we're going to see that's going to have I a think time. For a club, for a club to be willing to sacrifice time, you have to be an elite manager. Like, you have to be... One of the top five managers in the world. You have to basically be ir- irreplaceable. The thing, yeah. there are stupid Liverpool fans that are saying Jurgen Klopp out. And I yeah. honestly, their I... brains are yeah. like, they must be melted or something. Because the first <laughs> question I ask is, who do you want to replace him? Yeah. Who do you think is going to come to Liverpool and Replicate get Liverpool back to challenging life. titles? Let alone yeah. st- any manager. There's no, I don't think there's a manager on earth. They can come and do what Jurgen Klopp's done with Liverpool. And Liverpool have been terrible this season. We've been inconsistent. And Jurgen Klopp has made mistakes. But I think any manager on earth, the yeah. same, Liverpool perform the same way this season. Also, I don't think anyone of... comes into the... Like, oh, it's frustrating. Michael, it's I, I so definitely agree with you. But I'm not, I'm not going to even blame Klopp on some of those, um, those games. I think Liverpool's downfall this players season have, has come down to individual true. performances. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Dude, Gomez, and you can't manage that. I just recently watched the, I watched the highlights of the, the Liverpool City game. And, bro, it was shocking to see Trent Alexander-Arnold play in that game. Dude, he, 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 he actually disappoints me. Guy. He's, he he's, fucking disappoints me, bro. Yeah. Like, the way he... he there was like there were two one down, and there was no care when he was defending. He just let Jack Grealish waltz into the box. He didn't ever track back. He let he was so uncompact from his defense. Like there was there was nothing. But it looks like he had no emotion on his face. He didn't care. Like yeah. this guy is he's mentally fucked. Like he's, whole- he's probably mentally drained, and he's so mm. probably so run down and fatigued from all the football he's been playing. Give that oak two months off. I think also the thing about the City game that frustrated me so much is that first half, Liverpool actually played really well. Mm, first did. half, after that first half, I was like, okay, City are starting to get dominant, but Liverpool could get, could get something here. Like, we were countering while City had a lot of possession in dangerous areas, but they weren't necessarily like threatening because every time they overcommitted we were on the counter we could have scored two or three goals in the first half if we were more clinical the second half which i've seen too many times in liverpool is that as soon as something doesn't go to plan it's done game over like it doesn't even have to be conceding a goal it could be conceding a chance yeah and if that chance like and then it's just heads down and i don't know what the problem is because liverpool never used to be that way liverpool were Mm. characterized by if we go a goal down, it doesn't matter. We'll still yeah. win. You can expect that is what to win. Yeah. Always were under yeah. Jurgen Klopp, and Dude. I think, like you said, it goes into the being tired. I think this Liverpool team is dead. They are so tired. They've played so many games. If you look at the main players that started against City, those guys have been playing every game for Liverpool for the past like five years. Yeah. With little rotation, Fabinho has dropped off so much this season because 
he's been when he's been rotated, he's been rotated with Henderson, who also has been playing every game. Like Trent hasn't been rotated at all. Robertson hasn't been rotated at all. Um, now Trent and Simikas. No, but I'm saying like considering Simikas plays every now and then, but he doesn't yeah. rotate enough. Like you can't rely on Gomez and. Simikas sure. to play three or four games in a row because the quality's dropped mm. off. Like you notice, yeah, when the quality's gone. Don't, and I think I I don't even think, dude, it's about rotation at this point. I like you say, like this isn't the way Liverpool are when they go do, when they go goal down. That the old Liverpool, you'd expect something else. Though there's no like heads mm. to drop. But now I think Liverpool are, are missing like that that leader in the team. Whereas, like, yeah, you still have a Dyke, Millie, Hendo, and so on, of course. But I think their mindset has changed. They are finished. They're, yeah. Ex- exactly. Like, they're worrying about ago, themselves. They can't, they're not in a position to worry about other players. They are no, so worried about, about their themselves. own individual performance. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. They, can't, yeah. they can't give, they can't elevate the players around them because they are struggling. They, they're drowning themselves. themselves. Exactly. 100%. And, like, the players, yeah, they're still there, but they have nothing left, you know, and. I don't know how they would get it back to go back to old ways, or I don't know what Klopp's going to do, but I think something definitely need to ch- needs to change there. And Klopp did say that there is going to be spending in the next transfer window, and I think a big key to look out for, and I think Klopp is really doing it, is to get someone like to get someone in that team to get the squad rejuvenated again and and back to. So I think that mentality. How how he's going to get it back is firstly. I have the utmost respect for Harvey Elliott. Um, I think he's done really well this season, considering he's been thrown in the deep end. But one of the criticisms I have with Klopp this season is our right flank... Okay, Trent has not been good enough this season. I'm not going to defend him on that. His defending has been terrible. His attitude has been terrible. But that right-hand side is probably the worst defensive right-hand side in the league. You You cannot have Trent, Salah and Elliott on the same side because... Salah, he's never tracked back, and it's not his job. Salah's always been our forward that stays up to counter. That's his job. So already, that midfielder and Trent are under pressure. So that was why Hendo was there, to cover for Trent. Now, Elliot can't defend. I'm sorry, Elliot is a winger that has been converted to a midfielder. How do you expect that guy who cannot defend himself to cover for Trent? Mm. So that right-hand side, the reason why we concede so much from that side is because we have three... Attacking players on that side. Konate, that man has so much work to do. Like, it's actually crazy how much that guy has to do. And he's doing well. Konate's probably been the most impressive player this season. But it's like, it's kind of setting us up for failure when you go and play against City and you play basically three wingers because Trent is in our system is basically a winger. Three wingers on the one-hand side and expecting... Expecting Trent to mark Grealish one-on-one. You know what I mean? No, that's like absurd, honestly. Like, Liverpool don't do two-on-one defence. Like, we, we don't. And it's mm. because Salah stays up on that right-hand side. Elliot, he tries, but he isn't a defender. You can't expect a winger to defend. You know what I mean? That's, like, frustrating. That's super frustrating. And I think the change will be... They are going to put a dog back on that right center mid. They are going to put a dog there that can replace Henderson properly that will run all game and make sure that Trent doesn't ease off. Because when Hendo was on that right-hand side, he didn't take cuck from Trent. 
He told mm-hmm. him where he must be all the time and was like, okay, Trent, you want to go up? I'm filling in for you, but you better work back. But Elliot, he's not that guy. Nah. So who, I, he's not that I guy. agree. So, so guys, who I'll give Cratch um, and then do a little um, some uh, a chance to give some input on this. Who do you think that dog could be that could be filled in? Do you think there's a current midfielder in the in the spot for Liverpool? Dude, they, that they, can fill like, that position? I can name I can name several players. Van Dijk, Hendo, Millie, for example. They're wanting to extend Millie's contract, I think, by another year, if I'm right, Dol. But like again, you have Van Dijk. He's gonna be there for some time. You'd look up to those guys in the change room when you're one nil down at half time, expecting something you know, positive to come out, go back onto that field in the second half and then get a result. Like, that that's the old Liverpool we know. But now, I think even the youngsters in the change room expecting Van Dijk or Hendo or whatever to put their hand up and, you know, say say how it is, what we need to do. And I don't even think they're getting that. You know, like, as Dill says, they're trying to focus on themselves and they can't even do that, let alone as a team, you know. Um, I th- it goes... Everyone says this at this time of the season when their team isn't doing too well. They go, they just need to finish the season off and then start again next season. You know, clear their minds. Um, and I think that is what Liverpool actually do need. You know, like for all the players individually, they need a break um, mentally and physically. Um, and on top of that, they're going to need a bigger squad. Like, but again, Klopp has a good bench at times. You know, I'll put in like Fabio Cavallo, for example. Got him from Fulham. He's such a good player to put in the mid, even out wide. And, like, Klopp isn't playing him at all. Like, I'm just not seeing the logic in that. And, like, defensively, he can do things. Whereas Elliot, as Dill mentioned, he can't do anything defensively. He can only do it um, moving forward. And Cavalier can do that going forward and um, sitting back. So, like, in those aspects, I don't see where Klopp is going. Um, but, yeah, as, as I say, the big the dogs that that Liverpool need, they have them already. It's just a matter of fact when it's going to be coming out and when it's going to affect them. Um, if oh, I think of who yeah, will no. fix that problem, I think Liverpool literally need a new midfield three. I think Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago, like, they're all, th- they're all 30. They're all past... Henderson's like 32, Thiago's 32, and Fabinho's, I think, 29, turning 30. The fact that these guys are playing as many games as they are already should be a red flag. And I still think that all three of those players have a... They still have a role to play at Liverpool. To sell those three players, I would disagree with. But they just... They can't play every game anymore. They can't. It's just... It's unfair because they just don't have the legs. Yeah. And Thiago, you can't rely on him because he's injured too much. Keita gets a lot of cuck for being injured all the time. But Thiago is injured so much. As soon as he gets momentum, he's out for two, three weeks. Or he's out for a month. Or he's out for six weeks. You know? And you, you know can't what? rely on, Liverpool can't you... rely on players like that anymore. You can't. We need a player like Wijnaldum who can play 60 games a season and not be injured, and be available, and run every week, run 12Ks a game. Those those are the... And Henderson as well. Henderson was... Or like a young Milner. 
or like a young Milner, exactly. Milner, Henderson, Van Alden, that was the spine that Liverpool's midfield was built upon. Because yeah. they could do three, they could do... The things that they could do was they would not get injured, they could play every game, and they could run 12, 13 Ks a game every week. But so say, don't have a midfielder like that anymore. And so we say, need three. So say you get three. Um, I don't know who they'll be. You obviously be. don't want to splash, you don't splash your yeah. cash on just Bellingham. Because he's yeah. going to cost 150 million. You've got like all these fringe players like Arthur, Cater, you've got, and they're all injury prone as well. Like Carvalho needs to be starting more games. Harvey Elliott's not a midfielder, he's a winger. Who, which, say if you had to sign two players, I think, I think not three, but two players will solve your problem. Two players that are consistent enough to not get injured and to play 30 plus games a season. So Who are those I two think... players will? I think Liverpool have put themselves into a situation now where if we do not get Bellingham, the owners will have serious problems because the reason we're in the scenario is because we, because of him. Because we have apparently been setting money aside for the past two years to get him. And it's gone so far now that we have to get him, regardless of whether it's prudent and it's wise to spend that much money on him. We have to get him because if we do not... The owners, um, FSG out will be trending like there will be strikes. I'm not even like there will be strikes at Anfield if we do not get him. And he goes to Man City, like yeah. you cannot. We have basically lot the re. I don't know how we got, we did as well as we did last season, because we have needed a midfielder for three years. Yeah. Like this, we we have bought one midfielder in five or six years, and now it's Thiago. I think to Klopp, to be honest. I think, I um, think one of the reasons I feel that he hasn't really upgraded his midfield is because he backs them too much and he trusts them. And you can I imagine that. And that makes sense. That. It makes sense I, how he trusts yeah. them because they're, he, he backs them to play 60 games a season, even at the, at the age of 30 plus. Mm-hmm. And like the only major... They've done it every year before. They've done it. He hasn't, they haven't given him a reason to doubt that. But yeah. I think it's a combination of Jurgen Klopp, he has to come out and say we don't need a midfielder because if he, at the start of the season, says our midfield isn't good enough and realistically his hands are pretty much tied when it comes to transfers because I think we all know that FSG aren't just going to go around and throw a checkbook at anything. They're like, okay, you have X to spend. Liverpool are always in a situation where, say we have $100 million to spend in a season, but we'll need to buy four positions. And it's like, there's always a sacrifice that has to be made. And we obviously really wanted Chermeni, but that didn't materialize. And that was 70 million or something that we bid. But we were like, okay. The fact that we did not have an alternative is what frustrates me so much. That was the complacency. And I don't think that was necessarily Klopp. I think that Jude Bellingham was the alternative. And FSG said to Jurgen Klopp, okay, if you want Jude Bellingham, you have to wait. And Klopp is the kind of guy that Liverpool have just chased, have just come the closest anyone has ever come to getting the quadruple. Okay, besides like winning a treble, but one point off the title and losing in the Champions League final. There was no reason to believe Liverpool would decline this quickly. I don't think any. Yeah. I think everyone thought this would be a, a season where top title race was going to happen, but I don't think anyone foresaw us being nine points off top four with ten games to play. I don't and think. I, yeah, to be honest, I, think, I, don't, yeah. I don't think. 
I don't think that Liverpool player, uh, Liverpool supporters can get too frustrated at this season because um, we saw it coming. It's happened to many coming. good. It's, yeah. it's happened to many good teams, and I feel that this is just another it gold happens, coin in the silver pot. It happens, yeah. I think it's another gold coin in the silver pot because. Come next season, I feel that with adequate rest and I think more there's more, there, there's more um, deliberation happening behind the scenes than just mm. rush signings like Chelsea have. I think Liverpool are the type of team and type of side with Klopp at the helm to actually make informed decisions about players like Bellingham, not rushing to buy him because he's still so young and that price tag is very intimidating for yeah. a player. Buying a player like Bellingham, he's a, he's a type of player that you would want in your team because he makes other teams have to restructure their own tactics for for that yeah. specific player. And you don't want to rush that signing because of his age and his price tag. So rather let him become the best player in the Bundesliga and then at, a, at the right age when he's mature enough, then you sign him. I think that's so what Liverpool I, yeah. are. That can work two ways because another team like Real Madrid or Barcelona or Man City will snatch yeah. him up. And a big team will snatch him up. But it's it's a tough one. You know, there's it's a double-edged sword. And in, in the world of football... did the same thing with Konate. Yeah. We yeah. did the exact same thing with Konate when two seasons ago when we had that centre-back crisis we didn't have a foot centre-back. That was because we wanted Konate... But Leipzig didn't want to sell, so we waited a year. And I thought that we would have learned from that situation. But that goes back to the thing of, I think Klopp's hands are tied. Because we got a midfielder in an Arthur. But everyone, I don't think anyone thought that was going to work. Because you are taking someone who has a terrible injury history, putting him into an incredibly intense, physically demanding system... And expecting him to fix the problems of declining physical pain. And he got and he got injured in that same respect. And he got injured in the first two weeks until now, basically. And that was probably due to training. Exactly. Like it's those kind of decisions where come on, it's so it's just Well the fact that like I was only bought one midfielder, we never replaced Vinaldum. And that is like a knock-on effect of Liverpool always push the they push the boundary to the limit. They push their players to the limit, and it's like okay, we lose Vinaldum, who played literally fifty plus games a season. The last season he played for Liverpool, he played every single game in the Premier League. You lose that for free, okay? The money the money aspect doesn't matter, but now those thirty eight games are being put on another player. But that isn't not it's not someone coming in. It's the other players. Henderson now has to play more games, and he's older. For Benio now has to play more games. Thiago can't he can't stay fit for a full season already anyway. Now you're expecting him to play more games. Now you're bringing in young players that aren't ready, like Harvey Elliott, and you're converting him to a midfielder. It's just you're pushing players to the limit, and it's like after six years they're broke. And I don't think it's that surprise. Like we didn't expect him to break this badly this quickly but yeah it's just if like i was saying sorry if we don't get you betting him the owners are in serious trouble mm-hmm. like i don't care about the money 
if we don't get Jude Bellingham, even though he doesn't fix all our problems, mm. like it's just the fact that it's gone this long and they've let it get to this point and we've sacrificed so much that he has to come in and he has to get the number eight. That's literally yeah. what it is. Thanks, Tool, bro. I appreciate it. Um, Sorry, bro. I just get a bit of passion when it. it comes to No, this I love thing. it, bro. I love it. I love the passion. I love the, the delivery. Um, uh, I love the conversation, bro. Cratch, um, on that same topic, who do you think that Liverpool... Like, give me one. Give me one name. You don't have to give me two. Wait, one, uh, one that signing that, that Liverpool should get? Midfield signing. Because they clearly need some work in the midfield to cover up for, for Trent's dogged fucking As, defending. I'm not going to even mention Bellingham because I just don't think he's going to go. No, there's we've no already chance. mentioned Bellingham. Yeah, like there's just no chance. Like I'll get that out the way completely. Um <laughs> You know, like crying now. <laughs> you know, no, I, like I also am very skeptical. I'm saying like it's kind of gotten to the point where if we didn't get Champions League football, I yeah. I don't expect G Bellingham to come. Nah. But it's gotten to the point where we have sacrificed so much. If he does not come, shit mm. will hit the fan. Yeah. Ah, uh, do you know one good signing that I think you guys would have benefited well from, but unfortunately he's going to go to Bayern is uh, Conrad Leimer. He is. Dude. He would be so good for you guys, I think. Like defensively and going forward, I think like he he's Liverpool's man. But I'm I'm glad Bayern snatched him up like as early as they did because like I think he would do just as well with uh, with Bayern. But I think Liverpool need a player like Lima. Um, like yeah, it's just very un- unfortunate about that. But otherwise, besides Lyon and Bellingham, just purely because I just don't think any of them would go. And obviously, Lima is really signed contracts with with Bayern um I'd I'd even go in the direction of like oh trying to think honestly like you know there's a few Leicester boys out there I wouldn't even mind putting in that Liverpool team man. honestly please don't say Yuri Tillyman <laughs> no lies dude I would <laughs> I seriously would consider it See, I don't think he's a bad player, but it's a red flag that no one snatched him up yet, dude. Yeah, but that's not always the bad case. That's like not... It's not... He's got less than... He's got like, what, two months left of his contract? Mm. I don't know. Guys, guys, please please stop. Please stop. Why is no one talking about John McGinn? Surely. (laughs) Oh, God, no. That's news (laughs) in my eyes, bro. (laughs) Nah, dude. I don't know. McGinn, he's a weird. I feel player. like he's the kind of player that Villa will ask for fifty mil for, and exactly. I don't think Liverpool will be like, nah, like, nah. It's just not even worth entertaining the conversation because it's just it's so good, dude. I love that. I don't think there are many players out there that I can picture playing for Liverpool. Like the only two guys I would imagine is Bellingham and Lyman. Not the fact that like no one wants to go to Liverpool. It's more the fact of. Those two players, I think, suiting Liverpool, Liverpool system would go Liverpool very well. Liverpool need a specific profile of player, and there's exactly. not many of them around. No, and that's why I say, like, I think Bellingham and Lima are the only two that I can think of, and I have put a lot of thought to. Yeah, Otherwise, like, Lima's out of the equation, so I no, think, but that's what no, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, try to think of a similar player to Lima. Like, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Uh, like, like, there's not really much, you know. We've obviously been missing months. But that's like, I, 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 I'm going to go back on that. I'm going to say Mount. 
Dude, and I think he'll be a very good fit, but I think dude, he'll just be expensive. I, I th- well, they want him, I think, 60, and I think 60 for that, if Klopp stays a fair amount of time, like, I think he, I think Liverpool are sorted with Mount. And I'm not the biggest fan of Mount, but I know, like, when, like, look at last season or under Tuchel, for example. Mount, like, he did bits, dude. Like, I'm, he fits as I say, the profile. I, exactly. And I think, exactly. And I think he will fit Liverpool system very well if Tuchel doesn't want him or doesn't take him. But I don't think Mount would end up going to Bayern just purely because of the, the depth that they have. Um, but it, otherwise, yeah. I'd say Mount is such a good shout. And we all know what Klopp can do with players. I think I can only think of one player where Klopp really hasn't done much with him, and that was Cater. Besides Cater just being constantly injured, so like that's very hard to work with. But other than that, like I don't see Klopp failing to to make Mount better. Because also the interest, the, the thing about Liverpool's midfield is that we don't score goals in our midfield. So mm. when the players that we need to buy, like Mount, would he gets criticised at Chelsea for not providing enough. Yeah. But he wouldn't have to provide at Liverpool. He would just have to, like I said, he, he is a dog. Mount runs. Yeah, he does. He is aggressive. He's He's got the hunger, and that's why I think he would fit. And him on that right, right side, he reminds me of, like, he's way more technically, like, he's way better technically than Henderson. But he could maybe be that like Henderson successor in the maybe the running aspect of it or the mm. engine room, yeah, the engine room aspect of it. I, I can agree with that. As unpopular opinion, I just think um, someone like that would fit Klopp's intensity in Liverpool. I think Bruno Guimaraes. Dude, is a Liverpool, player. Yo, they really dropped the ball on that one. Dude. Yeah, is really a player that, that one. can fit that sort of profile in Klopp's team. Yeah, I mean, you could still sign him from Newcastle. I mean, be this could expensive. be a one-season wonder for Newcastle. You never know. Fifty more, I take him. I think he'll be more than fifty. I think Newcastle in a position now where they won't sell any of their stars. Yeah, for they'll like, especially they'll if they make like, Grealish with Aston Villa, they'll probably say like eighty more. For Gamarish, there'll be like Eddie more. And mm. we won't take it over a couple seasons, we want it now. Because Newcastle, yeah. they're in top four. Like, yeah. they're not going to want to sell their players to Liverpool. Because well, now Newcastle, Liverpool, day. Chelsea, uh, Newcastle are now, it's a top seven. Newcastle are now competitors with us. The last thing they want to do is sell their best players to their biggest competitors. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Unless nice. it's extremely in their favour and it's like, okay, We'll sell Gamarish because we'll get a hundred more for him, and then we'll buy whoever we want. We'll get Jude Bellingham. Sweet, thanks. You know, like those kind of like that's like their mindset now. I think. Mm. Any any German players that you might think of, Cratch, like in just on, off the top of your head, like um, some sort of uh, players that are possibly on their way out of of certain clubs or that. <sighs> Did you know he's been catching my eye like quite a bit? Are um our players at uh, Union Berlin? Like, yes. I I can't I can't tell you if they'd fit Liverpool comfortably, but mm. I can tell you like they have a lot of good players, dude. Like mm. if they like they're all performing. Like yeah, some of them are pretty old. I'm not gonna lie, but like you do have the odd one or two youngsters. Um, like who? What are their names? 
Uh, one guy I can think of is um, Barons. Uh, sorry, not Barons. No man. He's a he's a defender. Um, I'll tell you now his name. Give me is one sec. He's not German. He's Portuguese though. It's um Diego. I don't know how to say his name. Lito or something like that, dude. He um he's on loan from from Porto, but like he's twenty four, but he does bits for him, dude. Like. He is like, I'd say he's been one of Union Berlin's best, best players. Like that's me. He's playing. He's playing ninety minutes games. Like he's one of them. Um, but like also like um, Doki from Holland and that also another twenty four year old. Like again, Lito. Yeah, that's it. Um, like they are all like, yeah, dude. That's the mad thing. And like these guys are playing ninety minutes. Like. They're playing full games, dude. Like, if, and they've if got I'm Europa looking... League experience. Say it again? They've got Europa League experience now. Exactly, dude. Um, as well. But, like, if I'm looking at any players right now, like strikers or anything like that, like, um, like one guy that comes to mind, but, yeah, he's a striker. It's, um, he's from Wolfsburg. It's, um, in Mecha, that's his name, dude. Felix Mecha, eh? Yeah, dude, so good from Wolfsburg, dude. Like, his hold-up yeah. play is so good. Like, he's one to watch, 100%, dude. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and he got his uh, first call-up to the Germany squad, didn't he? Recently. He, yeah, he, his made, first I, start. he made his debut against Belgium. Yeah, I think it was yeah. against Belgium he made it. I mean, um, looking at but, that Belgium-Germany game, and you, and you checked Onana's stats from... From that whole game, yeah, surely Onana would be on the market. Although I don't want Everton to lose Onana, he, he was will good, be on dude. the market for a lot of teams. Yeah, no, he was good, bro. Yo, I'm not gonna lie, I was very impressed with that guy. Jeez, dude. Um, even some Frankfurt think, players and some Leverkusen players, like Leverkusen, are on a bit Onana of a run now. Here. Expensive now, though. I think mm-hmm. if Everton stay up, it would take a lot of money to get him away from there. Yeah, because yeah. he's like pretty much. The only positive thing that's kind of coming out of there at the moment, gents. I'm I'm sorry to do this, but I've I've got a head. I'm I'm leaving for training like very shortly, so I've got to get ready. Oh, nice, um, bro. You, but, um, how many times a day do you train? Eh? <laughs> what do you say, P? How many times a day do you train, bro? Uh, two, two, three times. Yeah, it it varies. Like we'll do a field session, gym session, and then we'll do like, uh, what's the word? Like, we'll do another gym session, but it's more like oh. stretching. It's conditioning. Conditioning. It? That's the word I was looking for. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, right now I've got gym. So, yeah, man, it's not too bad. But, um, sure, guys, I really appreciate it. It was such a long, such a nice long part. It actually went yeah, so quick. Yeah, this was quick. sick. Was, this was lacquer. But, yeah, yeah I really so I got it. I've got to make it. But, uh, yeah, guys, I appreciate it. And hopefully you can jump on again soon with you guys. Yes, Dan. Good Thanks night, so much group. for coming on, eh? Perfect. Cheers, Cheers my guys. Cheers, guys. Stay well, eh? Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks. Bill, I think we're at the two-hour mark, and it's been great, and we could chat for even more. Um, save it for the next one. We'll save it for, the next for one. yeah, we will save it for the next one. We can talk about way more, way more players. We can uh, maybe have a little podcast this weekend, chat about uh, more Champions League because that's obviously coming up next weekend or next week actually. Um, I'll plan this more in a, in advance. Uh, but yeah, 
Whoever listened, thank you so much for coming along. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.